Welcome to All Turns and No Breaks. This isn't an ordinary show. This is NASCAR Talk for fans by fans. Welcome back to a new episode of All Turns No Breaks. It's your girl Tam. Hey to the hey hey. Okay, calm down. Don't worry. Renee and Kenny are still around. It's just that they're not on this episode. Well, technically they are on this episode because this is our yearly listen back episode. If you are a veteran to All Turns No Breaks, you already know how we do. Each year we bring you the best of before we start the new season. So this is our listen back to the best of the 2019 season. And if you are a new listener, thank you for joining us. Make sure to hit the subscribe button and stick around because we bring you NASCAR talk each week for about 40 weeks like no other. Nobody talks the way we talk about NASCAR because we deliver a different perspective. And I'm always animated and always crazy. Renee, life is crazy and he tells some great stories. And if nothing else, he loves to talk about his Dallas Cowboys and his Astros. So if you are a new listener and you like sports, definitely tune in to check out Renee and Front Row Kenny. He is our historian of the sport. He was born and raised in this thing called NASCAR. We bring you three different perspectives each week. And without further ado, here is our perspective on the 2019 season. We hope you enjoy it. Make sure to hit the subscribe button. You know, I had to repeat that repetition gets you guys to really take action. So hit the subscribe button. Check us out on the Twitter, Instagram, Snapchat, as well as TikTok. Yes, we're on TikTok now. Our user is Turns No Breaks. Check out the website. Website is all Turns No Breaks. And make sure to subscribe to our newsletter because this year we are dropping something new. We're actually going to try it out, see how it works, but we're going to send out a newsletter every week. We're committing to you maybe twice a week. We're going to send you a pre-race report. And this is not going to be that pre-race born jaja stuff that you guys get from other outlets. It's going to be a collection, kind of like a collective of everything. And then we'll give you guys a post recap. Head over to the website, All Turns No Breaks. Make sure you subscribe to the newsletter. And of course, let me just stop right now and get to the point. Here's a listen back to the 2019 NASCAR season that was, as told to you by All Turns No Breaks. We didn't talk about what's good racing. Kenny? What's good racing to you? Renee, you chime in, I'll chime in, and then we'll go into some predictions and we'll talk NASCAR next week. Okay. Yeah, for me, um, I would say good racing. I love a race that has a lot of strategy in it, like Atlanta was just this past Sunday. Passes for the leader, great. Mid-pack battles are good. That's just kind of like my overall synopsis of a good race. A good finish doesn't necessarily depict a good race to me, so... I even think what we saw on Sunday was fine, and I've seen some races like that before, and I've really enjoyed them. But again, this is always subjective, as I would always say when it comes to folks and what we all think is good racing. But the only question I've always had for every fan, especially given this time we're in right now, 
is what is the middle ground and what is really going to make people happy, which I don't think you can do anyway, make everyone happy. But I really do wonder what is that middle ground for what is good to people. Yeah, I can go with that, Kenny. For me, good racing just means also hard racing. Like I want to see good racing and hard racing come together. And I don't know if we got that on Sunday, maybe probably not, but I thought we got good racing. Uh, I thought the race was, I, I, I was fine with the race, but for me, I want to see even with stage one and stage two, like I want to see guys battling and out, maybe not as hard because you're, you're just trying to win a stage, but you also want those points. I don't mind a little bumping. I don't mind a little grinding. I don't mind a little bit of pushing and I don't mind a little bit of shoving. Maybe not to a point where it's obvious to the point where like it's in a negative kind of way. And even though if, if it's a driver that I like or I'm rooting for or uh, somebody that I pick and takes them out, maybe not necessarily that if it's in the realm of you're just trying to go for the win and it just happens, I'm okay with that. As long as it's not purposely done, like I think we've seen over the years from some and certain drivers. But other than that, I'm, I'm okay with that kind of racing. So, uh, I mean, that would be good racing for me. Good racing for me is simple. One word, action. <laughs> I want to see a lot of action. So whether that action is passing, bumping, grinding, talking crap on the radio, as your boy, what was it, Joy Logano said that, if that car was in front of him in pit road again, he was going to knock it off his jack. I want to oh, yeah. hear all he that. Won't, he won't plan. That's a good point. <laughs> I want to hear that. I want to feel it. I, I want to see some intensity. I want action. One of the things like, let me, oh my God. Like I, I love motorsports. I dibble and dabble with Formula One. The same thing with IndyCar. There have been some incredible Formula One races where I'm like, oh my God. But then there are races where there is no passing. And to be honest, it drives me absolutely crazy when there's no passing. I want to see a race. I'm not, and, and this is a touchy situation, conversation. I don't know, however you want to put it. But single file racing. What does that get us? Everybody racing in one line. Explain somebody. Like this, <laughs> this does nothing for me. <laughs> what excites me is when I'm like, oh, S-H-I-T, they've three wide. And again, I'm not the person who's anticipating that it's going to be an accident. Always, for me, it's about safety. But yeah, I want to see somebody make a move, do something. Again, it all comes down to one word, and I'm going to leave you with this one word, action. And I'm going to add something to it, action, baby. <laughs> Action-packed Tam. Ain't nothing wrong with that at all. Of course. You know, so so that's what makes good racing for me. So I tell you what, by the time you guys listen to this podcast, you're probably either going to hate what I said, like it. Are you going to like what Renee said or hate it? Are you going to hate what Kenny said? Or are you going to like it? Either way, we want to know how you feel about it. You can tweet us. Our Twitter is at TurnsNoBreaks. You can leave a comment on the website when the episode is posted. The website is allturnsnobreaks.com. Did you hang out with the animal girl? <laughs> yes, I did. I hung out with Lacey. Uh, as a matter of Lacey, fact. Lacey, okay. Uh, forgive me for calling her the animal girl, but she has, a, what is it, a dragon? What? She has a uh, bearded dragon and she has a uh, a, a small turtle. 
and she also has a chameleon uh, that she has. And she also has cockroaches and crickets. Let's just right. keep she it 100. Tell the whole story. Tag, nope. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so she, they, you know, the animals got to get fed some kind of way. And then, um, you know, and then on top of that, she's got two dogs. Maybe I was just too drunk to really um, think about the cockroaches. <laughs> so I just passed out. When I woke up the next day, I quickly exited her apartment. <laughs> well, Kenny, please tell me your weekend didn't consist of cockroaches and crickets. <laughs> um, thank God, no. <laughs> I will say that, but uh, my weekend was pretty solid. The weather out here was pretty nice. This is the fourth season of this podcast. The first two seasons. What did I always talk about? <laughs> Personality. What did I say NASCAR was lacking? Personality. Okay. The boss man, love him or hate him, he provokes some emotion from you. So that's always a good sign. Whether you love or hate, like this, ugh. you see, I'm fired up. I'm sorry. Let me bring it back down. Mm. I done got on 10. Let me bring it back down to seven. Y'all <laughs> say what y'all want to say about Kyle Bush, but the sport would miss him if he left. You want to know why? Because personality, he sparks some emotion. You either love him or hate him. Let's just keep it 100. Who misses Casey Kane? Nobody. You don't even hear Casey Kane's name. You want to know why? Because the guy lacked a lot of personality. Just based on at least my historical background with this sport. So, yeah, we always have had typically you had your fiery guys you had your pumped up guys you're the quiet guys you had the guys that would occasionally get mad so we got a, a, a bevy of those and they're here and they're there and i think that we don't necessarily have all of that fire and i also think something that doesn't help is the way we commercialize everything like the way the commercials are for michigan you see a bunch of close finishes you see a bunch of crashes and I think that's also a harm to people that want to enter the sport. And I, if I explain that to somebody who doesn't know anything about it and they see that commercial, like, this happens every week. I hate to be the bearer of bad news, but that doesn't happen every single week. The crazy moment where someone jumps over a car like Kevin Harvick trying to fight Ricky Rudd in 2002 over whatever happened to them too then, like that, is, that stuff doesn't always happen. It never did always happen. It's just... But that's probably why people aren't but, but enjoying the races. And I'm talking about <laughs> yeah, the but, but here goes the thing with that. I struggle with the same sentiment with a lot of older NBA fans as well. The same old thing. It's like, oh, man, you know, people aren't doing this. They aren't elbowing people. They aren't throwing somebody to the ground when they go up for a layup. I have watched hundreds of games. That stuff never happened all the time. It's typically over-exaggerated and that just segues right into the commercials where things are just a tad oh uh, you know what i'm gonna have to cut you off young boy you No, i've watched Let me plenty of basketball hold up, hold up. i and promise back you i've watched plenty of basketball you in your 24 years you've watched hundreds of games i've been to two three four hundred games in person and i grew up a laker fan back in the showtime days and let me just tell you something. And Renee, because he's in his 40s, he can co-sign on this. Old NBA basketball and what it is today is like football. You can't touch the quarterback. You can't do nothing. Back in the old, oh, the Pistons, the Lakers and the Celtics, man, 
You didn't have to throw a fist and somebody was drawing blood. It used to be really physical basketball way back then. And it's not like I'm not that saying anymore. it's not physical, though. It, I'm not saying that, like, there wasn't... Fi- no, no, it I'm, isn't physical No, I'm not all. saying that it wasn't physical then, but I think it's it's incredibly over-exaggerated. I've watched plenty... No, no, it's I've not over sat there and watched Renee, hours okay, let, let's just and hours this. of Renee, film what's your of, vote? from the 80s and from the <laughs> 70s. And when people go crazy about it, I'm like, every game was not like that. You mean the t- every, every game, game was, was not physical, like that? Renee. I sat there and watched them. Okay. They're not all like Renee, that. Renee, let's hold up. Let's just ask Renee, since we have different opinions. Renee, as a mature man who loves all sports, what was NBA? basketball like in the 80s in the 90s from my experience and my point of view um is i definitely i definitely uh would agree with tam saying that basketball was very different back then as it is today i think that sports has just evolved just over time into trying to protect its players its drivers or whatnot and that's totally understandable but back in the 80s when getting back to to the the question at hand Kenny, I'm, I'm, I'm going to have to go with Tam on this one. And, and, and maybe, maybe not so much with regular season, but definitely in the playoffs. Sure. No, 100%. Way different. I basketball. agree. Way I agree different. 100%. But even in the regular season, those guys, they still played each other hard. Go back and look at some old film that Charles Barkley, when he was first in the league, those first three, three to five seasons he was in the league. I wouldn't go up for a layup with Barkley going in there. Screw that. <laughs> When we talk about Dale Jr. and we talk about the things that he goes through, whether it was his concussion leading to his retirement, but you go back and and you look at the the tragedies that have happened to him, you know, with his dad and what happened to him on the track, and then this stuff like this it goes on. It's something that you never wish on anybody. But uh, Tam, I'm th- I'm sitting here thinking about what you were talking about with DJ AM and stuff like that, and and you're hoping that something like this, and even though that they survived, doesn't have some kind of long term tragic effect on them where they they suffer from other things like that because i can't imagine having nightmares on nightmares and trying to to somehow take take care of it and the only way to do it is to resort to drugs and and to to get that pain away uh, even though that they survive let, let let's hope that that they don't have any uh, suffering effects from that either well my question is how do you ever get back on a private plane after this exactly there are people that there's an R&B group. I won't bother mentioning the name because I know you guys won't know who I'm talking about. But one of the guys in the R&B group, he has this huge phobia and he has not been on a plane. And the band, the group was super popular, but they can't fly or they can't make money because he won't get on a flight because he's traumatized. In somebody like Dell Jr.'s case, you think like his whole, if they take helicopters to and from their home to the Charlotte Motor Speedway. Yeah. Like, how do you recover from this? And poor Isla, the baby, she's young enough where she probably won't remember, but sometimes that stuff is embedded in your subconscious, so it may affect her at some point. Yeah. But I just could not imagine needing to get on a plane next week after my plane went down. And it's not like it went down like, okay, we need to make an emergency landing. They had a crash landing. That's crazy. Like I think about when I fly, but I obviously I don't fly. I don't fly private. I fly commercial. But 
I only fly Delta when I'm going out the country. I have only certain airlines that I'm flying and they're usually Delta affiliated. But I'll tell this quick story and we'll move on because I know we talked about this a little longer than anticipated. But when I was flying from London Heathrow to Marrakesh in Morocco, my flight is stopped in Casablanca and there were no instructions. I got ready to get off the flight and something, I saw these people sitting there and something told me to ask. And they were like, well, no, if you're going to Marrakesh, you should stay. That's old school. Usually you de- you get off the plane and then you reboard. Now, when I first got on the plane, I was like, oh my God, the plane had an ashtray thing in the armrest. Now, you know, a flight is old. Like you, when is the last time you can smoke on an airplane? Like 40 years ago. So now you can imagine my mind's going because I'm like, wait, this plane has a, I knew the plane looked old, but when I saw the ashtray on the armrest, I was like, wait a minute. This plane has to be old or maybe they have some different laws in Morocco because I was on Moroccan air and quickly my mind started wondering what that smell was. It was the most heavenly smell I ever smelled. It was some kind of fish. And I was like, who serves fish on the plane? So now my mind's wondering. I'm like, we got the ashtray fish. And then to top it off, you guys hold on to your seats. Listeners, get ready to belt out a chuckle. I'd be amazed, whatever you, emotion you decide to feel. But as I'm sitting in Casablanca on the plane, the flight attendant comes down the aisle with a can and she holds it up and she just politely with a swagger walks down the aisle holding the button and she's spraying as she walks down the aisle. And I look to the guy sitting two, three seats over and I say what why is she spraying aerosol on a closed plane and he says oh they do that because sometimes when people get on they bring bugs and stuff what is you talking about man and my buddy is sitting there with me and he's asking me about the whole the playoff picture and how many races are left and I'm explaining this to him and Tam uh, Kenny, I don't know if you guys have ever gotten this, if you're just at, at a bar watching the race, but I'm explaining this to him and there's a couple that's sitting next to me and they're laughing at the fact that I know so much about NASCAR and the race. And the guy hits me on my shoulder and he goes, are you serious right now? Like, 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 are you being serious? Or are you just being funny? And I go, no, dude, like I'm being serious. Like, to the point where I, I thought I, I was getting kind of offended, to be honest with you. And it was kind of making me a little upset. And I was like, cause I, I was thinking, is this guy like trying to make fun of me? Is he trying to, is he trying to poke fun at me? Is he trying to demean me in some kind of way? And I learned that long time ago and early in my NASCAR days when I first started watching NASCAR is that NASCAR fans, do, let me tell you, don't try to demean NASCAR fans or I try to make fun of them and it, it is a sport and it is a sport to us. And I know Kenny and Tam, you see it as a sport. I see it as a sport. And when somebody tries to patronize or, or make fun of, uh, as a fan that I am, I hate it. I really, I, I, I honestly take offense to it because I think that they're trying to make fun of me in some kind of way that 
it, it's not cool because I, I'm passionate about this sport. I love it just as much as I know that you love it, Kenny, just as much as I know that you love it, Tam. And it, and it, and it makes, it makes me uncomfortable. I, I don't know. Do you guys feel that way? Do you guys get that at, at any point? Well, I can kind of co-sign on that because this weekend, I mentioned I was in San Diego. I was in San Diego for a mastermind. Shout out to Sean Croxton. If you guys want to listen to a positive podcast, check out the quote of the day show. Each podcast is maybe 12 to 15 minutes, but it's usually a quote from somebody famous and it's kind of uplifting, you know, a great way to start your day. So that's Sean Croxton, C-R-O-X-T-O-N. And the name of the podcast is the quote of the day. So this weekend, we did a mastermind where it was about 50 people who came from all over. And we sat in a conference room at a hotel and just, you know, shared our businesses, you know, some background things we need help with. There were a few guest speakers, great crowd. But nonetheless, Sean called me out. Someone was speaking and he just randomly called my name and was like, yeah, well, I'm sure Tam can help you with that because, you know, she follows NASCAR or something. I honestly was on my Twitter account. It was like that split second where I tuned out. I was actually looking at Twitter, catching up on the NASCAR stories. So when he was calling my name, I was like, what? Because I wasn't paying attention. But saying that to say, I shared a little bit about loving NASCAR and how I kind of came into NASCAR and I was rambling because I was unprepared to talk, but not that it's not always hashtag Tam's rent. But I ended up pretty much not necessarily answering the question, but just like, yeah, NASCAR found me. But it is true. NASCAR did find me and I fell in love with NASCAR. As simple as that. But getting to my point and how it relates to your story, afterwards, people were coming up to me throughout the day or on the break, like, yeah, so you love NASCAR. How? Well, how do you like tennis? How do you like basketball? Some sports you just identify with and NASCAR is a sport that I identify with. And we've said it multiple times on this show. Kenny can attest to it. And maybe it's a little different for us because we're in a city that is not a NASCAR city whatsoever. We're not even a sports city because we have fair weather friends or fair weather fans in Los (laughs) Angeles. You don't really have a lot of diehards. Like, I know it sounds crazy. People say, oh, I'm a diehard Laker fan. Uh, If you go to a Laker game or a Clipper game, it's a who's who. It's not a, I'm going to bleed this until I die. Like, say, if you go into a Philadelphia Eagles games, it's very much, I got some expensive tickets to the Lakers game to go be seen and to see if people, to see people. So that's my take on fans here. Although I feel like Clipper fans, Los Angeles Clippers, that is, they're diehard. But saying that to say and getting to my point and going to what Renee was talking about, I don't want to say I feel as if sometimes people can be condescending, but it's almost like it's a unicorn to be a NASCAR fan. Yeah. No, no kidding. That's actually like perfect analogy. It just goes to show you all this animosity people have for Austin Dillon. Like I talked about it last week, but uh-huh. I feel it's it's almost like with Paris Hilton. And on that note, speaking of Paris Hilton, 
her grandfather, who was once my boss, passed away, Baron Hilton. So rest in peace, Baron. One of the things that I used to always defend Paris Hilton on, she got a lot of flack because people would say, oh, everything was handed to her. Her family has money. It's not her fault, first of all. And second of all, what came out, which I already knew, but it's been publicized, is that Baron Hilton, who passed away at 91, he left 97 or 98 percent of his billions with an S to charity and to the Baron Hilton Foundation. So it's not like they inherited all this money. Now, granted, they got money to start with, money that most people would never get an opportunity to see. And they had a leg up in life from the beginning. But going back to Austin, I'm going to continue to defend Austin like I did last week. Because it's not Austin's fault that Pop Pop has money. Yeah. I don't get it. And it's like, you worked hard. That's not your fault either. Your parents, your grandparents didn't set you up. No, for sure. And I hate to say it so bluntly, but it's this reoccurring theme that Austin is a silver spoon fed kid, blah, blah, blah. But it's not his fault. And stop hating. And that's all I'm going to say on that. Unless anybody else <laughs> want to add something to it. Um, no, I'll just say quickly, I don't disagree with you, of course. It's not his fault that, obviously, he's grown up into money, grown up into a good chance at, you know, obviously being a cup driver now. I'm not taking that away from him whatsoever. I think people's more so their gripe is probably the talent level over the money, so to speak. I get it. Him having that ride is fine. I get it. He's brought money. He's got money. He's good to go. Is he better than some other drivers that probably should have a shot? No, I don't think so. There's some people I don't think are better than him. I mean, that people that are better than him would probably suit that car better. I think there's some people that may be able to get more out of that car. And I think this is actually a perfect segue into what Adam Stern talked about this week with Tyler Reddick moving up. He's a bit of a guy who has a lot of money, but I think he also has a talent to back it up. Now, the thing is, are we going to see that happen? If he can get more out of the car than Austin can, for example, it'll be interesting. I think that's something to note for um, going into 2020. There were a few comments on the Twitter, because, of course, we hang out a lot on the Twitter. People are mad about the Tyler Reddick situation. But, hey, if you haven't learned nothing yet, it the sport is about money. Here's my thing. As a team owner, I got to look at how can I support the team. And if somebody's bringing $5 million to the team versus us having to go out and hustle $5 million for the team, which one are you going to do? You're going to take the $5 million for the team, mm-hmm. right or wrong? Yeah, that's, a, that's an easy uh, uh, question to answer there. <laughs> when you think about it, the more money a team has, the better quality pit crew guys you can have, the better quality engineers you can have the better off everybody is you need money there's this misconception that you like money makes the world go around and this is a sport that is heavily heavily i said heavenly but heavily you know what i'm saying but heavenly Mm -hmm. too shoot i don't know you need money the way it went down is it right probably not but was hemrick really driving like that did he make the choice easy for them Now, granted, I understand he was a rookie and you need time to get things together. But, hey, $5 million, that'll last a good 
amount of time. (laughs) It's a tough call because I get both ends. I'm not being insensitive because I do feel bad for the young guy. But I understand that when you're running a business, you need money. And NASCAR, RCR is a business first. And for those that have things to say about Austin Dillon, the last I checked, that car was fully funded. In fact, Jack Daniels, who's been out the sport forever, jumped back in for the Roval. And they're actually going to be sponsoring the car for one race. Say what you want about Austin, but Austin is not lacking sponsorship dollars. And I'm going to say this again. He has won two races. That's right. That, I, don't, that, that, I don't deny his Jack wins. Jack jump back in. It's awesome. Yeah. I don't take away his wins, 100%. I don't whatsoever at all. So at the beginning of the race, obviously, Bowman spun out, caused Bubba to go through the chicane. He had to take a pass through. So that started that. So he was already behind the curve on his day because of that happening, right? Then we get to the point where they're running with each other most of the day because Alex Bowman had more trouble. He had damage on his car as well. And it just really didn't seem like it was going to be a second place day like that he ended up getting, right? So Bowman got tired of him, right? So he dumped. Now, everyone is looking at the water, looking at the water aspect, right? He threw water on a guy that's dehydrated. It got on Jeff Gordon. It got on the medical staff. Okay, cool. So we're just going to skip past the part that he wrecked somebody intentionally, not saying that it's that it's as possible as it used to be, but I'm pretty sure you've got a better chance of being hurt in a race car than you do getting water splashed on you. I think there's things you could have done worse. Am I saying that I would have done the same exact thing to him in a situation like that? No, I wouldn't. I'm not necessarily condoning it, but I just think to go to the level of calling it classless when Donnie Allison and Kale Yarborough fought in whatever year that was in the 70s in Daytona, that's what got NASCAR on the map as it is. That's the one of the biggest things, let alone it's advertised constantly. We can go even go a little bit up in terms of the years. And we can go back and look at Richmond almost a decade ago with Ricky Rudd and Kevin Harvick. Kevin Harvick jumped over a damn car just to try and get to him. Matter of fact, his wife even ran after Jimmy Johnson in the hauler. We're, and, and that's not classless. If we're going to take it that way, we need to keep it consistent on what is actually supposed to be classless and what isn't. But my other thing is, if we don't want everything to be so vanilla, let them do things of this nature. Let them be themselves. Let the emotion run out. Let it be that way. He didn't go punch him in the face. Now, if he went up and just socked him right with the right, okay, I can see why someone wants to say that's classless. I can totally understand that. But to throw water on somebody on the hottest day in Charlotte, just mind you, 96 degrees outside, I don't think that's the worst you could have done to somebody. So I just think that it's being obviously being blown out of proportion in terms of if if he does happen to get some type of in quote dis, uh, discipline for it. It just doesn't make much sense. If we're striving to have more entertainment, more things like this happen, you got to let them happen. You can't go to the limits. And say, oh, man, you know, I don't know about that one, because right now it just sounds like he's probably going to get a slap on the wrist, quote unquote, and then we're going to keep going. But it shouldn't even have got to that point. He doesn't even go for the hauler to that, in my opinion. I just think it's just something that happened. And guess what? They're going to they're either going to continue to duke it out for the rest of the season or Alex Bowman is going to stick in that lane and be stuck and worried about someone flipping him off most of the time versus worrying about the actual championship itself. I think he should probably worry about that more than anything at this point because he barely act his way into it. So I just don't think 
that we need to take it as it's just the worst move possible. I've seen way worse done in the past. So this just isn't that bad. You guys already know how I feel about this topic. Uh, Yesterday when we did the podcast, I was having a hard time articulating my thoughts. A lot of it was because I'm just tired of talking about it. I don't want to be politically correct, but I don't want to just be downright nasty with sharing how I feel. I did tweet my feelings. You can find my thoughts on the, actually on the All Turns No Breaks Twitter account, which is at Turns No Breaks. That's our user on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. And you can also find my thoughts as well as my clap back because I had to clap back at somebody who pretty much told me that I was bringing race into this. And here's the reality is that I don't pull the race card. I don't have to pull the race card. I actually almost said something, but I wasn't even going to go there. But look, I don't have to pull the race card. The reality is, is that a lot of NASCAR fans pulled the race card for me because you can see the difference in how this is actually being treated versus the reality of what it was. It was two drivers that had drama. That's been going on since the beginning of NASCAR. However, it's a big thing. Steve O'Donnell saying, oh, basically it's not cool because Alex was getting medical attention, blah, blah, blah. I am not a Bubba Wallace apologist. I don't automatically take his side because he's black and I'm black. I'm not like that. I've shared some thoughts about Bubba on and off the podcast. But in this particular situation, I think it's being blown out of proportion. One, I don't even think Bubba paid attention that it was medical staff helping Alex. I think he got out his car and he was hot and sweaty and delirious, just like all 40 drivers that drove that day. Let's not forget that. Everybody was probably out of their mind, except Kyle Busch, because only Kyle Busch was like, look, I'm not going to be dealing with this. He just got out the car and said, (laughs) flip this. But if you look at Ryan Newman, he was spent. Everybody was tired, red, sweaty, and delirious. And I think Bubba got out and was like this MF, and he went up to him and not even really surveying the scene. I'm sure Alex wasn't the only one that was sitting on the ground with water. He probably didn't even survey the scene. But saying I say I'm not going to make excuses for Bubba, because if he did see him, you know, he may have saw that it was medical attention. All that I'm saying is that this has been going on in NASCAR since the beginning of time. Drivers get into it and it's such a big thing. And some of the comments, there were some people who just downright used the N word and let it all hang out. And I'm not mad at those people. I'm not a person that is upset when people use the N word because I feel sorry. I don't actually, I won't even say I feel sorry. I don't give those people much energy because it's usually from a place of ignorance. So if you use the N word, I'm calling you ignorant and I'm just going to say that and I'm going to be straight up about that. But here's the thing. Things happen when people are upset and it happened with Bubba being upset. And to everybody else's point, let's go back and see how we got to this point. Kyle Petty said it best. You can't go around wrecking everybody that flipped you off. Alex wrecked Bubba because he flipped him off. So that's how we got to this point. Let me just say this. If I'm in a fight with anybody, and this may not be the best analogy, but I'm going to say it. If I'm in a fight with anybody, If I draw blood, I'm not going to stop. I'm going to go all in and then whoop that ass some more. I think the Ford 400, which is the homestead race between Tony Stewart 
and Carl Edwards. That is bar none the best damn battle of this decade for the championship, without a doubt. I think so. Ironically, I can't even give you a moment because it all runs together for me. I have some great experiences at the track. I have some great moments screaming at the TV. But I can't tell you what year any of it is because it's all a blur. I don't really have great, well, I don't know if it's short-term memory or long-term memory. I don't remember much <laughs> from like high school and stuff like that. So I don't know. But yeah. I don't know. Maybe mine would probably have to be, Tam, when when we uh, were able to get to uh, at the beginning of the season a couple of years ago with Valvoline and they sent us to Daytona. And uh, we got to uh, spend a whole day, or actually the whole weekend, rather. And then we got to interview Jimmy Johnson at the time. Oh, yeah. And then we got to interview Bowman, Alex Bowman, before he he was actually, uh, you know, full-time. And I think he had taken over a couple of races for Junior that year. And then we got to interview him. That was just a really, really big part of uh, the thing that sticks out in my mind more than anything. And that probably would be mine my memory that I, I like the most. Yeah, that's a great memory. I don't know. Should I just revert back to my time hanging out <laughs> with... Well, no, I mean, I have a lot of moments. So probably one of the coolest things would be hanging out with DW, Daryl Waltrip. And I think this was probably about eight years ago. So maybe this is that, that's in this decade. But hanging out with DW at his shop eating catfish and hush puppies and french fries and he was telling the story about how the day Dale Jr. passed away at Daytona so that's a memory but I have wow. so many memories and so many we moments met at and the Roval too let's add that too that was cool yeah so you know saw the first Roval race the first Roval there's so much that has happened in the last 10 years of me being on this wild roller coaster called NASCAR, but oh my god, I feel like we're doing like a, the end of the season <laughs> podcast. Oh. Okay, let's take it back up a notch. Saturday, I actually had a dinner date, and uh, that was pretty relaxed, chill. We went to a movie afterwards, and uh, we got to go see this movie uh, that's just out called Midway. If you guys have seen the previews of it, it's basically about part of uh, the whole Pearl Harbor war during World War II, the Pearl Harbor attack. And I totally recommend this movie. This movie was fantastic. I am neither going to admit or deny that I probably cried twice. So. Oh, wow. Yeah. Is that the one with Tom Hanks or no? Uh, no, 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 no. Uh, but uh, this one is uh, just a, a, a war movie about. Pearl Harbor, World War II, but it's about specifically Midway that had something to do uh, with beating the Japanese uh, during World War II. And it was absolutely fantastic. You guys definitely should check it out. I totally recommend it. And any of our listeners that do listen to this podcast, I totally recommend that you guys go check it out. It's a very touching, moving movie. And it, and it was a really good job by actors and directors that made that movie go. Before we move on to Kenny's weekend, I do have a question for you, Renee. What's going on with the young lady that you went on a date with? Oh, okay. So this is so this is weird. This is a side note on top of that. So this is a, a young lady that I, I've seen and gone out with many a times before. We just don't get to see each other very often. We live pretty far from each other. However, 
this particular night we went on a dinner date because we happened to be kind of close in the same area. So she says, Hey, are you busy? And I said, No, actually I have I have the night off and I really didn't have any plans. So she goes, Well, she goes, Let's do dinner with my parents at five and then we can go do whatever we want after that. And I said, Oh, okay, the parents. Well, yeah. So, <laughs> so now I will tell you guys, I have met her parents before. So it's not like this is the first time that I've met her parents. It's so, getting real. Yeah, I know. I'm telling you. <laughs> so we went to go have dinner. And lo and behold, she goes at the dinner table. She goes, hey, what, what, what do you want to do? You want to go watch a movie? And I go, yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's go watch a movie. Well, her aunt and her uncle happened to be at the same dinner because they were celebrating her uncle's uh, birthday at the time. So her aunt goes, oh, well, what movie you guys are going to go watch? And she goes, I don't know. She goes, we're thinking about this Midway. And all of a sudden, her mom and her dad, uh, and it's her stepdad, by the way, they go, you know what? We wanted to watch that movie. You know what? Why don't we all go to the movie and just watch it together? And she goes, yeah, that sounds like a great idea. And I'm going, wait a minute. I'm looking at <laughs> I'm looking at the young lady that I'm, I'm going out with. I go, did they just invite themselves on our date? And sure enough, here we are walking into the movie theater, all eight of us. Uh, I mean, it was just, it was unbelievable. And I just, I couldn't believe that, that her whole family just invited themselves on our, on our movie date. And <laughs> that, I, I got to tell you, that was a first for me. And uh, it was quite interesting to say the least. Well, there you have it. And I don't want to put Kenny on blast, but Kenny also went it. on a date. You knew it was coming. <laughs> what? You did? I did. Yeah, I actually did on uh, last Thursday. It was all pretty right. good. It was pretty good. Was, I don't want him to talk about date. it because oh, it's okay. still new. So the, I don't whole, fa- the whole family didn't come on, on the date, though. No, 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 no. Family haven't got involved yet. I'm not in your in your shoes right now, but I will say everything was well. A second date will definitely be happening. So, yeah, that's good. Okay. Well, now that we caught up on everybody's weekend, love life, and... Excuse me. Let me say third, actually, not second. Ooh. Yeah. yeah. Okay. <laughs> That third time is a charm. Just don't go to fourth base. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Was that good or bad advice? Any closing words for our friends, our NASCAR family? Renee, say your piece now or forever hold your peace. I messed that one up, but you know what I was trying to say. Yeah, I know exactly where you were going with that. Um, I would just like to just thank all of our listeners, our new listeners, our old listeners that have uh, listened to our podcast, All Turns No Breaks, thank you so much. And I definitely want to thank you, Tam, for putting in much of the just crazy work that you put in to make this podcast work. I don't think we could thank you enough, neither me or Kenny, but I want all our listeners to know how hard you work to make this podcast work for all three of us and to put a good show on for everybody. Thank you, Tam. And Kenny, thank you for always having your insight, or your knowledge, and your energy and your vibe that makes this podcast for all three of us work. Thank you, guys. Thanks to everybody that has supported our podcast throughout this the last several years that we've been doing this. Thank you. Thank you, Renee. And thank you, Kenny, as well. I could not do this podcast without either one of you. And Renee, we actually missed you the one time that you were not available to do the podcast. And it definitely was a difference. Kenny, you already know that we would not be doing this podcast without you this season because we were really like one foot away from throwing in the towel until you came in and just kind of offered a fresh perspective and just helped us out a little bit. So we appreciate you. And 
I do want to shout out a bunch of our fans, but before I do that, Kenny, did you want to say anything? Uh, yeah, I won't be too long. Just like what Renee had also said, thank you for being a big help in putting the podcast together each and every week. You know, we've went a very long 40 weeks, so it's been a real long season. And just thank you for, thank you guys for bringing me on for an entire year. It's, it's been really good. I've really enjoyed it. I've been able to meet some of our friends of the show. Because of this, same thing with a lot of my friends who don't even know a lick about NASCAR. They've listened and they've enjoyed it and been able to give them a different dynamic on it. So it's been a real fun year. I've really enjoyed it. I definitely think I've gotten better as a co-host, I think. But I think it was a really fun time all season long. And look, can't wait to do it again in 2020. Okay, shout out to some of our listeners. I'm sure I'm going to forget a few because this was not prepared. I'm just going to go off the top of my head of people who interact with us each week on the Twitter. Patrick R. Drone, thank you. Thank you for always being the first person to say hashtag MP as in now plan all transitional breaks. We appreciate you. You are one of the reasons why we continue to do this podcast. Shout out to Graydon Bunn and his boys for Graydon always jumps in. Any conversation we have on Twitter about NASCAR, he jumps in. He's a very passionate fan from Canada. So thank you. Trying to think again, this is off the top of my head. Larry Lee, who always has something to say, and Avery Duck, who is Special Kitty, I believe, on Twitter. And who else? Oh, my God. Oh, wait. There's somebody else. K, K-Pack. I don't know much about K-Pack, but he or she always jumps in whenever we have our talks on the Twitter. Shout out to... Justin and his wife, who are both my friends. Shout out to Kobe Lambert. Thanks for always supporting us. Melody Clark. I feel like I'm forgetting so many people. Oh, Jonathan. He listens to the podcast. And who else? We didn't do as many NASCAR talks this season, so forgive us for that. But yeah, I think I covered everybody. I know I'm forgetting a lot of people, but oh, Ryan Goodrum, shout out to PTM Racing Podcast, Charlie Balls, Bowles, I always mispronounce his name. And one other person, and I mispronounce his name all the time, and I'm going to try my best because I'm going to look it up right now. So I won't mispronounce his name. And he's corrected me before, but I think it's Clayton Williams. And I feel like I'm mispronouncing his name again. But shout out to Clayton. We appreciate you. Oh, yeah. Loose Lug Nuts. Shout out to you as well. And who else? I'm missing some people. Off the top, I can't think. I think you named quite a few people, but I will definitely say shout out to everybody who is always participating all season because it's it's real cool to have everyone interact all year long but yeah i think that's pretty much it i'm sure it's not it thanks so much for tuning in 